Welcome to Star Wars Rant Podcast, Episode 9. We uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Brian Seddon, your host, and with me is Chad Viss, Mr. South Dakota Gamer. Greets, Chad. Greets. And also with us, Brian B. Knob North from Northwest Indiana. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. All right, well, thanks for uh, joining us for episode nine of Star Wars Ramp Podcast. Um, got some good stuff for you today. We got a little bit of news. We got some um, Star Wars archive with Chad, a little bit, a little tidbit. Searching the archives, Brian. Searching. Say it right. The archives. It's a with segment. Chad this. He's invested a lot of time in this segment this week, and I'm really looking forward to see what he has for how dare you <laughs> searching the archives. Um, we got uh, B-Dob's top moments. Um, we got some more Star Wars history we're going to go through. Uh, we got question of the day, and maybe a few other things are going to come up. So without further ado, let's jump into some news. Um, not a whole lot, obviously, going on in the news arena um, I will say though, uh, Mr. Kenny Baker was uh, the funeral service for him was yesterday in London, so you know we talked a little bit about that last week. But um, obviously, you know, again, uh, much respect to Mr. Kenny Baker, and condolences to his family and friends. Um, I read a little bit about the the funeral service, and there was um, um, you know a lot of good things said about him. His son did the eulogy, so. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, and then on to, you know, other Star Wars news. Um, this news segment is a possible spoiler. So um, nothing like starting out the podcast with a spoiler alert. This is a spoiler, possible spoiler for Star Wars Episode 8. Uh, this report comes from theweek.co.uk. Um so here we go. Star Wars 8, Leia will confront Kylo Ren about killing Han Solo. What? What? I think it's kind of inedible, inevitable, right? Inedible, um, yes. And inedible as well. Um, so, alleged leak claims Sci-Fi Saga's new villain will explain that he was angry with his father for leaving. Star Wars 8 will see General Leia Organa confront her son, Kylo Ren, about murdering Han Solo, says a new leak purportedly from a film insider. The report published on Imgur? Imgur? I've seen that before. I-M-G-U-R? Imager? Imager. Okay. Um, 2016, Brian. Whatever, man. I, you know, I got like three, four websites I go to. So, uh, (laughs) the report published on Imager under the headline, the plot as best as we can tell outlines a possible synopsis for the hotly anticipated feature, including details of the first on-screen meeting between Kylo Ren and his mother, Leia. Uh, according to Reddit, 
user spacebar leak uh, who posted the <laughs> synopsis this is this is getting better by the moment i feel really this is really good uh good info here some good street cred Leia is kidnapped by the First Order in Star Wars 8 and awakes to see her masked son sitting across from her. Kylo Ren begs her to tell him the whereabouts of rogue stormtrooper Finn. She refuses. She asks him about Han. Kylo is angry at the mention of his father. He never forgave him for leaving Leia during such a dark time. He took it upon himself to grow stronger for his family, Space Barleek says. Leia counters that it wasn't Han's fault and that there is nothing he could have done differently. Kylo Ren seems affected by the news, Space Barleek says, and appears to change his position on his late father, but he still probes his mother's mind and extracts the information he needs about Finn's location. And, uh... So there you go. There's some doubts. You know, some people are saying this, this, this doesn't sound right. You would think that there is going to be a confrontation between Leia and Kylo. Um, would you not? I would think so. Right? So so is she like in, in her little like Princess Leia costume from episode four and he walks in instead of Vader this time? Because that's weird. Um, you remember Vader you know, interrogated her about the, oh, yeah, the location yeah. of the rebel With base? The, uh... I mean, father interrogating of the daughter and now... Yeah. The sun doing the same thing. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be like the Return of the Jedi with Jabba, and then she wraps a chain around Kylo's neck. And... Do you know what I'm really hoping that they have is that weird orb thing with the needle at the end, yeah, yeah. with like the syringe yeah. taped to it? Yep. That's what I'm hoping that they have. Drugs. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, there is a uh, theory out there. Um, and you know what, rather than read to you in my monotone voice, I will play a video that you can enjoy. Um, but basically it is a, um, fan theory that suggests Ray might not be a hero at all and that she might actually be the villain. And this theory is compiled by the site Uproxx, um, and so, did I not say that right, Chad? You're, you're looking no, at, it sounds... I wouldn't know. I'm not hip with this stuff. Yeah, I'm not a hip. I'm 35 years old, people. Okay, so I'm going to play it um, for your... Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk. We'll come back and, and talk a little bit about it, see what do we think. Is Ray being set up as the villain? In Star Wars The Force Awakens, we're introduced to Rey, who's set up as the new hero of the series. But is Rey in danger of turning to the dark side? Could she in fact become a villain rather than a hero? In The Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker asks Master Yoda if the dark side is stronger than the light side. Yoda replies, no. Quicker, easier, more seductive. It took Luke months to master even basic tasks as a Jedi. But in The Force Awakens, we see Rey quickly and easily tap into her Force powers. When she's captured by the First Order, it takes almost no effort for her to use her Jedi mind trick to convince the Stormtrooper to free her. And again, when fighting Kylo Ren on the Starkiller base, she quickly matches his Force abilities despite his more extensive training. In the Force Awakens novelization, which is part of the official Star Wars canon, Rey hears a voice in her head while she's battling Kylo Ren that says, kill him. The book says she recoiled from the voice because she knew it was the dark side. So we know with certainty that the dark side is reaching out to her, and we know that she's vulnerable to being seduced by it because of the anger and fear she feels after watching the death of her father figure on Solo. Look at the poster for the Force Awakens movie. Rey's staff lines up perfectly with Kylo Ren's red lightsaber, implying that she might be the one holding it in the future. Also consider her childhood. Rey was forced to work for a cruel junk trader on a desert planet where every day was a struggle to survive. A childhood that is very similar to Darth Vader's, who's the most powerful dark Jedi of all time. Rey was also abandoned by her family without an explanation and frequently gives in to her rage and anger. It would make sense if she felt more drawn to the dark side than the light. What if instead of being the hero of the new trilogy, Rey is really being set up as the villain? What do you think? All right, so 
What do you guys think? Cool. It's kind of similar to the Palpatine uh, deal, right? A little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and for those that, that don't know that, there's a theory that... Um, Chad, you kind of explained it. Did run run through that just briefly? Uh, it was that she's either a granddaughter of Palpatine or some kind of reincarnation of him where a lot of her motions are the same as far as when she's doing the lightsaber battles. Um, and just a lot of the things like that kind of line up with how Palpatine reacted and how his facial expressions even were. So, you know, to see her as being, and I listening to this reminds me of when we talked about that, um, lines up with how maybe she's going to turn out to be the bad one and Ben will end up being the good one. And to the theory that maybe even Ben's undercover, you know, kind of, I still don't, the only thing with that. You know, so two things is one, I don't see how Ben can redeem himself from killing Han Solo. I just don't think fans would buy that. But sure. the other part, though, that, that did stand out for me from that, that little video clip is um, the part about her being orphaned. She's mm-hmm. working for a, you know, a junk trader or what have you, and it's very similar to Anakin. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was actually pretty interesting. I, I didn't think about that. Binob, any thoughts on that theory there, man? I think that she's going to stay good all the way till the end. Um, I think Ray's pretty solid as a, a light side of the Force figure. Um, and I think that they had more references to Kylo Ren being drawn to the light in The Force Awakens, especially the movie side of things, um, than they did of Ray getting um, pulled to the dark side so i have a feeling that uh this theory is gonna be busted um later on as the movies progress but i do hold on to the hope that kylo ren does switch back and him and ray team up for episode nine all right good deal let's uh let's move on to our next segment with chad viss and searching the archives all right, uh, so I didn't get a chance to read a ton this week, but I have been reading a little bit more in Heir to the Jedi uh, since I talked about that last time. So that is uh, the book that happens right after Episode 4, or shortly after Episode 4. Luke has uh, fired the shots that destroyed the first de- first Death Star. Um, he is working on his uh, Jedi training, try to figure out how to learn and where to go. Uh, we talked about him moving the noodle on the table last time, if you recall. Hey-oh! <laughs> but since then, um, he has been given a secret, missage, uh, secret mission rather, uh, from Akbar and Princess Leia. Or I think she's, she's not a general yet at this point. Um, but yeah, Princess Leia and uh, Akbar give, her, give him a mission to free this given... Um, that is a species of alien that, uh, the way I kind of describe it, it, it looks like a skeleton, but it looks like the Scream mask. Remember that those movies from the 90s, Scream, where the big dark black eyes and the long black mouth? That is how the face of this species looks. It's a given. And they're really, really smart. Um, there's no expression. Like, you don't see pupils in their eyes, so you don't know where they're looking. You don't know what they're thinking. Um, but there's a given, and she's really, really smart, real good with math, real good with equations. Like, when you greet them and actually talk to them for the first time, it's usually done in equations. And you talk about that, and humans have a hard time relating to them. <laughs> they give you like a are... like a math problem? Yeah, almost. <laughs> like, to the point where before they went to get her, C-3PO is telling Luke, like, how to respond. Like, here are some problems that they'll accept your discussion knowing that you're human. They'll realize you won't be able to be as advanced as them here. Memorize these equations and answers. And then C-3PO says, she'll ask you one last question and she's being nice because she knows you're human. Just say three. That's the answer. And, and like, that's how he was prepped on, on meeting her for the first time. So she's real good at stuff like that. They can figure out probabilities. They can figure out uh, percentages when it comes to survival rates and things of that nature and how plans and, and battle plans will work out. 
So she's captured by the Empire and kind of under house arrest on this planet. She's free to come and go as she wants, but she always has a constant guard um, of, of soldiers. And so she has family that's on another planet. And she has gotten a message to the Allies saying that if you will get me to my family and make us all safe away from the Empire, I have information that is super important to you um, that I will give you for the Empire because I've been with them for so long. And the whole thing is that she's there against her will. Um, and so Luke and this the pilot we talked about, the lady Nakari is her name um, that we talked about before. The two of them with R2 are tasked with going and basically under undercover mission on this planet and freeing this lady. And her name is Drussel, D-R-U-S-I-L. And she's a given. So... They free her and they get off planet and they kind of run into some uh, space battles where Luke uses some of his force ability and is able to pilot and save them uh, unlike any other pilot could. And he's kind of learning how to tap into the force to basically kind of see things before they happen, help him make those snap decisions um, better than most pilots will. Um, And so you get to see him use that and tap into it a little bit more. And also uh, see see how he can get through things a little better. So in the point where I am, they took some damage. They had to land on a planet. Uh, the Empire is searching for them. And there's a bounty out for them and for the, the given. And they had to land and they have to repair uh, uh, an engine in order to get to where their destination is. So that's where I am right now. And it's just kind of seeing Luke and his path to trying to learn as much about the Force as he can. And some interesting characters that, you know, don't get any... I think there's a given in the bar in Cantina, in the Cantina in Episode 4. Um, yeah, I, like I looked it up. When you told moment. me, I looked it up. And, uh, yeah, there it does look like there's one in the Cantina. But I think it yeah. is a very fast uh, yeah. clip. So. Yeah, so characters that we don't get in the movie but are definitely part of the universe. It's, it's kind of fun and interesting to see them talk about those types of, of characters. So there's your searching... The archives for this week. I promise to have more for you next week. Hopefully I'll finish this book. All right. Moving right along. Let's, uh, let's get with B-Nob and some top moments. Well, we all have our favorite moments in Star Wars. I know last on last uh, podcast, episode eight, we took our first greatest uh, hits moment and we dedicated it to R2-D2 after the great Kenny Baker recently passed away. But kind of backtracking on from a broad sense, since uh, this is a still early on in our podcasting days, um, find out all three of us what is our favorite Star Wars moment of all time currently. Um, out of all the Star Wars episodes, it could be a Rebels, could be a uh, Clone Wars. Um, but where in the Star Wars universe is your favorite Star Wars moment? Go, Brian, go. Huh. Um, that's a hard question. I mean, there's like so many good moments. I don't know how you just pick one. Um, I mean, I would probably say the big reveal, Empire Strikes Back, you know, Luke, I am your father. That whole sequence, you know, the whole battle sequence and – um, that, that would probably be my, my favorite move, uh, moment, you know, of the, uh, Star Wars franchise. It's the one that, uh, that you can't forget, you know? So, um, and I, I could pick others. Honorable mentions, if I could, um, would be, you know, the final battle in Return of the Jedi between Luke and, and Darth Vader. And then one moment that I always liked was when we first see Luke in Return of the Jedi walking in a Jabba's hut. Jabba the Hutt's palace. Um, I don't know. It was just he just looked kind of you know like a like a bad a you know he was in like the dark outfit which we hadn't really seen him in that um, and he looked like he had really good command of the force and he looked super confident. So um, that's that's my favorite Luke out of the original trilogy is the Luke in the Return of the Jedi. So but yeah, favorite moment would have to be. You know, I am your father. It's a good one. Um, I you mentioned it, dirty rotten cheater. Um, the the final lightsaber battle between 
Vader and Luke and Jedi. Just the dark colors and the you know seeing the the red and the blue are yeah blue green green lightsabers talking about lightsabers yeah Yeah, green yeah green to see the red and the green lightsaber against the black the backdrop and just the fight that they have there um is pretty great and i really enjoy seeing that so that would be the jedi return of the jedi lightsaber battle between luke and uh luke and vader uh my favorite moments i'm going to say my favorite star wars moment of all time is uh obi-wan versus anakin on mustafar that lightsaber battle is my favorite moment in star wars history knowing you Uh, i thought it was going to be when anakin killed all the children in the jedi (laughs) temple (laughs) no but that is an honorable mention a um, few honorable mentions for me is earlier in Revenge of the Sith, uh, that opening sequence in Revenge of the Sith, I just always loved that opening sequence. It just got right into the action. Um, first Star Wars movie where they just weren't showing some empty space or maybe a ship flying through. They just got straight to the action. And seeing Obi-Wan flying to the hangar bay and jump out of his ship and land and chop up some battle droids at the same time, he does, it doesn't get better Star Wars than that. Uh, my other honorable mention is when Han Solo comes in and has the Yahoo moment uh, coming in and saving Luke um, from Darth Vader, and so Luke can finish off the Death Star. Uh, that's an honorable mention for me. So a lot of great moments in Star Wars. Obviously, that that's just a few of our favorite moments in the uh, the whole as in the series as a whole. So hopefully, we look into more uh, maybe certain episodes or certain characters um, in the podcast to come. All right, moving right along, we'll jump into um, Star Wars history. Um, That's a new segment that we started last week. And um, so just to recap briefly, uh, for those that didn't hear episode eight, um, this is coming from Star Wars... uh, um, Wiki, or otherwise known as uh, Wikipedia, um, Timeline of Galactic History. We are just talking about canon because Legends is, uh, you know, crazy and um, it's not canon. So, and again, this canon timeline will change as movies and comics and books are written and and some of this will probably change. But um, to recap, uh, the timeline starts out... um, a millennia before the Battle of Yavin, it talks about hyperspace um, being unlocked um, by ancestral species. It talks about the Zillow beasts, who um, we talked about that last week. These animals that at that time they thought were extinct. Turns out later on during the Clone Wars uh, period that they find one uh, left um, and uh, Palpatine tries to clone it. Um, the Jedi Order is founded um, by force sensitives um, and they uh, go to the world called Lum and uh, this world has kyber crystals and they also use that world as a uh, training grounds for new Jedi. I think it was called the gathering where they would go and they'd have to go and find their kyber crystal and use the force to put together a lightsaber. And then um, an unidentified rogue Jedi was born. We talked about that. And um, he was the one who started the uh, Force. So we are now over 6,000 years before the Clone Wars. An order of uh, Force users splits from the Jedi Order during the 100-year darkness, and they form the Sith Order. So a little bit, and, and some of this... Um, a lot of these segments here I'm about to read, I'm going to go pretty quick, um, but a lot of them kind of interweave. So I might say the same things um, or, or repeat myself when I come to one to another, but they all they all weave together. So the Hundred Year Darkness, um, a little bit about that. It was a period of time that led to the formation of the Sith, who were once considered brothers in the Force with the Jedi Order. The birth of the Sith led to a number of wars over the course of galactic history. So the Hundred Years Darkness, a thousands 
of years before the Clone Wars, the Jedi Order and the individuals who became the Sith were considered brothers in the Force. This unity fractured, however, during the period of time known as the Hundred Year Darkness, when a rogue Jedi came to believe that the true power of the Force lay not through contemplation and passivity, that and that only by tapping its dark side could its true potential be gained. The Jedi High Council at the time balked at this new direction, and the Dark Jedi was outcast, but he eventually gained uh followers to his new order which resulted in the formation of the sith and i think i I actually might have talked about some of this on uh, last week's podcast as i'm going through this um but the birth of the sith uh led to countless wars between the two rivals the sith were believed to have been destroyed 1000 years before the clone wars but they eventually returned to galactic prominence and ushered in the clone wars and both sides of the wars were controlled by uh, Darth Sidious, known publicly as Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, and allowed him to gain enough power of the galaxy to transform the Galactic Republic into the Galactic Empire. This led to decades of Sith rule over the galaxy, which lasted until Sidious's death during the Battle of Endor. The Hundred Years' Darkness was a conflict originally created for Star Wars Legends previously known as the Expanded Universe, and it made its first appearance in the comic book series Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. It was uh, made canon with limited detail in the 2015 comic book Star Wars uh, issue number 9, Showdown of the Smuggler's Moon Part 2. So in that comic, they um, they reference the Hundred Years Darkness. And once they did that, it became canon um so uh the sith order a little more on that here we go formed thousands of years prior to the clone wars the sith were the ancient enemies of the jedi order established by a rogue jedi the sith sought further knowledge and power through learning the dark side of the force eventually this jedi was able to amass a sizable following all of whom adhered to his new philosophy that embraced the dark side This schism in the Jedi Order led to an event known as the Hundred Years Darkness, in which the Jedi and the newly founded Sith Order, once brothers and sisters in the Force, fought against one another for power. The Civil War ended in the defeat of the Sith, who fled from known space. Unbeknownst to the Jedi, however, the Sith settled on Moraband, a world of red sands where they rebuilt in secret to wait for another chance to strike. You guys ever heard of that world, Moraband? Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, Bina? Yes, I have. As the Sith Order grew, they constructed massive temples and tombs on Moraband in a location known as the Valley of the Dark Lords. The Sith built empires on the backs of their slaves and fought wars against the Jedi for control of the galaxy. During these wars, they built massive super weapons powered by giant kyber crystals. During one such conflict, the Jedi and Sith fought on the planet of uh, Takodana. The pirate Maz Kanata later built her castle on top of the legendary battlefield. So huh. there you go. There's a tie into Episode Eight. Her <clears throat> castle. That castle. I'm thinking was that was seven. that planet Tokodana? Episode, episode seven. seven. Sorry. They um, don't ever really say, do they? But that, but it was her castle, so right. you know. So yeah, assumedly, so there's a tie-in to Episode Seven. Um, at one point, nearly six thousand years before the rise of the Galactic Empire, the Sith, the Sith, built a shrine on Coruscant, which became a place of immense dark side power. Later in history, the Jedi raised their own temple over the shrine in an attempt to contain and eliminate its power. Uh, over many years, the Sith continued to expand their empire erecting temples on planets like Malachor, a world which later became forbidden to the Jedi. Their quest to gain power was ultimately the undoing of the Sith as the dark side made them turn against one another. And this is kind of jumping through the timeline, but we're still going to go through it. In the end, the Jedi managed to defeat the infighting Sith, bringing what was left of the Dark Order to its knees. As it turned out, one Sith, Darth Bane, survived. His fellow Sith Lords destroyed, he reformed the Order by establishing the Rule of Two. And we'll talk about that in another podcast. But obviously it mandates that only two Sith, a Master and an Apprentice, could exist at any given time, lest they fall prey to infighting. The Sith abandoned their traditional homeworld of Moraband after it was scarred by many wars. Eventually, Darth Bane was killed and was buried in the Valley of the Dark Lords on its surface. 
but the rule of two continued on through his apprentice. And then, um, obviously, they, uh, the Sith continued for a thousand years in secret, their survival unknown to the Jedi, as they plotted their revenge against the Jedi Order. Um, and we don't see the Sith again until Darth Sidious and his apprentice, Darth Maul. In huh. which movie, b The Phantom the Menace. Phantom Menace. So, um, a little more on the Sith Shrine. Um, so again, a Sith shrine was built on um, Coruscant. So during their brief galactic uh, domination, roughly 6,000 years before the outbreak of the Clone Wars, the Sith constructed a shrine on the planet Coruscant. Following the Sith's orders defeat at the hands of their sworn enemies, the Jedi, uh, the Jedi Temple was raised over the shrine's foundations in a symbolic attempt to bury the legacy that the Sith had left on the galactic capital um, millennia later, this decision would prove disastrous for the Jedi Order as Darth Sidious, the reigning Dark Lord of the Sith, was able to make ample use of the wellspring of dark side energy that lay at the shrine's heart, clouding the vision of the Jedi Council and making his true motives and identity um, and masking, I'm sorry, and masking his true motives and identity until it was too late. Following the destruction of the Jedi Order and the reformation of the Galactic Republic into the Galactic Empire, Darth Sidious, obviously Emperor Palpatine, had the Jedi Temple converted into the Imperial Palace, at which point the shrine was finally excavated. Sidious used the shrine as his private sanctum, where the Sith Lord spent much of his time meditating on the nature of the dark side. The Sith Shrine was introduced in the 2014 novel Tarkin, um, the idea of the Jedi Temple built atop ancient temples would have been explored in a story arc in the television series Star Wars The Clone Wars, but the show was canceled before such an episode could have been produced. In the arc, former Jedi Padawan Ahsoka would have returned to the Jedi Temple and with several other Jedi taken drilling machines down far beneath the Jedi Temple and discovered a Sith Temple beneath it. Uh, Dave Filioni and George Lucas decided that the Jedi Temple had been built over ruins from ancient worshippers of the Force, possibly including the Sith. The concept of the Jedi Temple being built over a wellspring of dark side energy was previously introduced in Star Wars Legends. In introducing the concept through Tarkin, um, the author compared the shrine and the construction of the Jedi Temple atop of it to how Cortez, the Spanish conquistador, destroyed the Aztec city of uh on so there you go that's your star wars history fascinating 100 years war i'm sorry 100 100 years war 100 year <laughs> darkness uh the sith order um the sith had these slaves um during this time um they build these temples and these or these shrines all over the place but very interesting that the one of their shrines was on coruscant and uh, we see the Jedi Temple in all of the prequels. Um, you see it in Return of the Jedi on Coruscant, but uh, they never tell us that underneath that is the uh, Shrine of the Sith. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the Great Temple of Massasai, um, which is on Yavin 4. We'll talk about the Lothal calendar. Um, we're going to talk about the Battle of... Takodana, which we referenced uh, a little while ago, and we'll talk a little bit about Maz Katana. So, that's your Star Wars history. Hope you kept up, and hope you don't have questions, because, as usual, I don't have the answers. We're going to move on to our next topic. Mr. Chad Viss in Character Spotlight. So, here's my job that I have for this podcast Character Spotlight every week. This week, we're going to talk about General Grievous. I hate General Grievous. The infamous bad dude from the prequels. Um, so, who, who is... Yeah, <laughs> clear your throat. Always grovelly. Worse than Akbar. Um, so, I think he has asthma. I don't know. <clears throat> so, he's General Grievous is... Uh, his homeworld is Kali. K-A-L-E-E. So his species is Kalish. That's the species. They're a reptilian species. And in the Clone Wars cartoon, you see them in their in their natural state. 
what they really look like. Obviously, Grievous is heavily modified. Um, but they're a warrior species reptilian. Um, their face kind of looks like a bat. They have pointy ears, and then their nose is flattened, um, kind of like a bat's nose is. Uh, but they do wear masks, uh, especially as warriors. They'll wear masks when they go to battle. Um, but so he is part of a, an elite warrior portion of the Kalish race. And uh, he is introduced to Count Dooku uh, prior to the Clone Wars and has decided right around that time to take on the cybernetic enhancements um, to make his uh, battle, his combat better, to make himself a better warrior. Um, So everything besides his brain, some some of his vital organs... And portions of his actual f- skull and head are all cybernetic. See, I thought he had gotten injured. Nope, it was a choice. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought he got injured as well. So that's nope, interesting. He, yeah, it's and this is canon. So his he's he was always a warrior, and you know we talked about or I talked about uh, archives last week. Kylo, that doctor that was enhanced and doing all the cybernetic stuff, come to find out later. Um, it is partially with some of the knowledge that he has gained was given to uh, Grievous as well. So he he gets all these cybernetic parts. Um, for some reason, which I was not able to find, we know he really, really, really hates Jedi. Like, he hates them. Um, and it, it has become a mission of his to destroy as many as he can. Uh, we know from the movies that he keeps the lightsabers as trophies. Uh, of his and all the jedis that he has uh, killed um so he has no force abilities he has no force powers um but dooku recruits him after seeing his warrior abilities to lead the droid army and be the general and as he recruits him he trains him in the art of the lightsaber battling and dueling um we know from dooku's battle with yoda uh that dooku is very skilled when it comes to lightsaber battles and it seems that he is the one that had trained uh general grievous in that art um so he leads the droid army throughout the entire galactic war um and he did a lot of amazing things obviously in the movies we only see portions of of his skill and things he accomplished uh throughout the clone wars cartoon he is heavily he's obviously one of the main bad guys that they fight against Um, But I'm going to list off a few things that he accomplished as the general. Um, He they went to a Camino where all the clones were created and they attacked Camino and actually destroyed part of their factory, I guess, is what it's considered, where they pumped out those clones, you know, clones um, in in an effort to, you know, stunt their their recruitment and and kind of halt their new soldiers coming in um obviously at one point in the movies that stops you know the clones are no longer used and it now becomes volunteers um so they go to a camino and i don't know if they completely destroy it but they destroy a big portion of camino and stop uh the production of the clones um the night sisters have you heard of the night sisters um yeah um and the night brothers it's uh wasn't uh uh, uh, what's the what's her name from uh, Clone Wars? Ventress. 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 Yeah. Yep, she is a knight sister. Um, Darth Maul is a knight yep. brother. Okay. They're part of that group. Um, it's that race specifically. Kind of, I forget the name of the race that Darth Maul is. Um, but it's mainly that race that is. It's a. It's kind of a religion with them. Um, but there's force abilities involved in the Night Sisters. Um, they were used by the dark side of the force. Ventress was used during the Clone Wars to kind of, he was, she wasn't Darth Vader's apprentice, really. Um, she worked for Dooku more than anything, but she went around trying to find Jedi to destroy and usually would bring Grievous with her. Um, they had a falling out and Grievous wiped out the Night Sisters, um, killed a lot of them, almost all of them. And actually was able to kill the leader of the Night Sisters, Mother Talzin, uh, which she's—it's hard to 
she's like a almost like a queen type thing like a you know when you have insects where you've got the the queen that's protected and when she's around everyone else is fine but you destroy her and everything kind of falls apart um as he fights these night sisters he actually ends up killing her and almost wiping out the the whole group of the night sisters completely um he also fought darth maul during the clone wars cartoon um and neither one of them was able to get the upper hand on the other so we obviously know how powerful darth maul was obviously qui-gon or uh anakin or who obi-wan cut him in half but he doesn't die he's he is he is brought to life he kind of goes a little crazy um but his brother finds him and with the help of the night sisters he stays alive and is kind of comes back um he wants to. He's he's real mad, real real mad at Palpatine, um, because they left him to die, and he just wants to kill everyone. So Grievous and him get into a fight. He basically backs him into a corner, and Maul retreats into hiding, and we don't hear from him for quite a long time. Um, he also uh, bombed was part of the ship that bombed the central power of Coruscant during the Clone Wars. Um, he led on that ship and was present at that point. He also, as we know from the movies, captured Supreme Chancellor Palpatine and held him captive for a short time until Anakin and Obi-Wan come and free him. Um, and then finally, he was killed by a mere blaster shot to an exposed heart. I mean, after uh, all Uncivilized. That. After all that, he was killed from one blaster shot from a Jedi um, who was almost disgusted to have to use that weapon and he's killed so he he did a lot and i would kind of even like to go back a little further maybe and i didn't to learn you know what what did why did he hate the jedi so much i think i have that yeah i don't know if this is correct but i looked it up and um it gives his real name which i cannot pronounce looks like quai quai Kwai Mean Jai Shalal. I saw that. That's part of the legends part, isn't it? That's why I didn't okay. read into that too much. I mean, it still could be. It could true, be legends, but according is. to this, it says during a war with invaders called Hux or Yamari, the Jedi decided to get involved. However, the Jedi took the side of the Huck and were eventually able to defeat the Kalish. The Kalish, especially General Grievous, hated the Jedi ever since. So, right, yeah, I don't know if go. that's Legends or Canon or whatever, but there's good enough for me. some type of reason. So, yeah, General Grievous uh, gave up, not humanity, but his f- flesh. Kalish. Manly. Yeah, to have be a four-armed, coughing, hacking, lightsaber-wielding, real, real bad, bad man. He's a real bad I man. Hated, I hated people. him in the movies. Because he was such a bad guy, or I hated. hated I thought he was kind of cheesy, as far as you know, um, like the way he talked. I didn't like the way he talked or sounded, and sometimes he was hard to understand. And I couldn't stand the constant coughing. That friggin' drove (laughs) me nuts. And um, yeah, I don't know. And and the other part is they they didn't really kind of give enough about him. I guess probably in Attack of the Clones, so he was just kind of like there. And they made him, you know, he had all this big talk like he was this big guy. And at the end, he just got shot in the chest and died. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't, he didn't do it for me. Yeah, the Clone Wars definitely explore his character a lot more. Uh, he doesn't cough as much in those, but he runs away a lot. Like, he'll, he'll get into a battle. He'll fight. He'll fight. He'll almost, almost win. But then when he's about to lose, he usually takes one of the droids Pushes him out of the way and just runs away. That's what he started to do on Attack of the Clones. Yeah, he abandons everybody to save himself, which they're droids, so. Yeah. You know. So who cares about droids, right? Who cares about droids? Racists. (laughs) What? All right. Uh, Let's move back to B-Nob and his segment, Question of the Day. So I have a question of the day. I have a little bit of a uh, uh, little little uh, little news before I reveal the question of the day. There is a Star Wars fan coming out with a documentary pretty soon. The trailer was just released, and Brian, you could play that trailer. 
Context and expectation was stacked against George from the very beginning. There's no accounting for that kind of buildup. That more than 20 year gap between the beginning of Star Wars and the re-beginning with the prequels. You see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you are ready. You've been waiting for this movie since you were three years old watching that tape of Star Wars. And then the movie starts. And I hated it, the way it looked. And it was like kind of this sadness went over me and I was like, oh no. If a Star Wars movie were like an asteroid or a meter, then the Phantom Menace would be the kind that killed the dinosaurs. Expectations were unrealistically high. You're gonna see a generation of kids that grew up watching the prequels that didn't feel the same way that we did. You know, we're just the loudest voice in the room. But when you see like Mike Klimo's uh, ring theory stuff, when he's putting these images side by side, there's no way that that's accidental. So it creates this pattern of ABC, CBA. You start looking for psychological meaning, you start looking for symbolism, and once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. But we actually did more miniatures for the prequels than were done in the original films. There were that many miniatures done on those movies. Nobody hates Star Wars like a Star Wars fan. If you don't like them, there's always Star Trek. It's so over the top. So I got to thinking, it's possible through the prequels that George Lucas might save the world. Why on earth are we complaining about this? Uh, well, just to give you guys just a brief understanding of where they're going with this documentary. Um, this fan is going around the United States and he's trying to answer the age-old question of whether or not the prequels were a masterpiece or a complete disaster. Hmm. Uh, so he'll weigh in on that and try to come up with his own um, hypothesis. Is there, a, is there a helicopter coming? What uh, is that noise? I think it's a mosquito spraying truck. <laughs> is that what that is? My windows are open because it's a real nice night, and I'm getting bugged. I'm getting bombed. Right, so, well, yep. Well, Sorry breathe it that. in. Breathe it in, buddy. Do they really have mosquito spraying, spraying trucks? Oh, there? yeah. Totally. They just These, do it? Just like yeah. the, the city does yeah. it? Yeah, they have it here, buddy. Dude in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry about that. Well, no, I'm All glad right, you're so protected now. I feel safer for ba- you. Let me uh, backtrack. While that, while that, let me backtrack, Brian. You can edit all that out before. No, the why? Trucks, Let's okay. just leave it in. <laughs> Continue. He's going around the country asking people if their prequels sucked. I lost my whole train of thought. Let me just redo that whole point. Just back it up. Uh, just a guy, I'll give you a rundown. Again? <laughs> what the frick? In all reality, it was like a 30 minute podcast. It's turning into like an hour. Hi, Chad. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Uh, well, that trailer, um, I hope you all enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it, you can check it out. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, but this gentleman is going around doing a documentary to answer the age-old question. Um, were the prequels a masterpiece or were they a disaster? And uh, for me, in my own personal journey, I grew up in the prequel era um, as a little elementary grade Again, going through school, I went and saw Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and I enjoyed them and I loved them, and uh, those were what I was obsessed with growing up. And then I kind of sipped a little bit of the Haterade uh, going into my teen years of that the prequels were just a mess and that it was a bunch of bad acting and and loaded with special effects and not a lot of story and a lot of, not a lot of substance. Um, so I hated on the prequels for a while, and uh, actually, it wasn't until I was in college um, that I rewatched the prequels and actually very much enjoyed them and enjoyed all the uh, political side of things. So I come out uh, the other side of it, and with this leading into my question today for you guys, are the prequels for you a masterpiece or are they a disaster? For me, myself, I'll answer that, and after it, um, I think there's a lot of harmony between the prequels and the original trilogy, and, you know, just with you, just with you, uh, you know, revealing to those fans that were listening 
that didn't know that before that the Jedi Temple was built over a Sith shrine and that it blinded the Jedi's way of thinking and blocked them from the dark side and what Sidious's plan was kind of brings a little bit more depth and understanding to what the prequels and the story and everything behind it makes a little bit more sense. So I'm going to say uh, they were good. I enjoyed them and I accept them as the masterpiece that is Star Wars. I'll go next. Um, I don't think by any means they're a masterpiece. Um, and I would, I wouldn't call them a disaster. Um, I'm probably, you know, if we're going to rank it one to 10, 10 being masterpiece, one being a disaster, I'm probably like at a four, you know, uh, I just accept them for what they are. I think it, there was a lot of bad acting, um, you know, with, with Hayden Christensen and some of it was the dialogue. I mean, there was a lot of bad dialogue. Um, but um you know i take it for for what it is i you know the, there's a lot of good in there and you just kind of cling on to the good and try to forget the bad like jar jar binks and general grievous and uh the fact that anakin hates sand gets everywhere um <laughs> but uh i you know it is what it is it, it got us to um to the point where we could see Darth Vader becoming becoming Darth Vader, so or Anakin becoming Darth Vader, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm at, I'm on a four on the uh, suck it scale. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, I they definitely are not a masterpiece, and but they don't definitely they aren't a disaster either. Um, I you know I think you look at the original trilogy. I don't know that I'd call them masterpieces either how dare you (laughs) there's some there's there i mean they're a product of their time also um you know made in the early 80s that definitely shows even in some of the acting there too um but the prequels they have their place and they are part of canon and they do tell a story and they do get us to they fill in some of the blanks um, starting with episode four, you know, you don't, that's where it began. And they went back and tried to tell some of that story and how we got to that point. And I think for the most part, yeah, that story is told and could have, we wish it would have been better in some areas. Yeah, probably. But it fills in a lot of those, those plot holes, not plot holes, but those, we wonder how did this happen? How did Anakin turn? You know, we, we, we were told that story. And yeah, the acting sucked and all the blue screen CGI, which was brand new and new technology at the time, you know, they really heavily used it, probably a little bit more than the practical uh, original trilogy was done. And, you know, it probably suffered for that as well. It's hard to act in front of a blue screen versus surrounded by actual environmental things. So they're not a masterpiece. They're not a disaster. I'm not going to be as bold as to give it a number. As some people may be. That's bold? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, you know, I, I say they, they have their place and it's good that they exist. I, I'll i watch the original trilogy four times for each one time. I'll watch the prequels. But, you know, I go back and look at them every once in a while because it's good to remember stuff. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, so here's some good things. I mean, it gave us, we got to see Coruscant. Um, we got to see the Jedi Council. We got to see how the Galactic Empire was formed and how Palpatine came to rule. Um, we got to see, you know, how Luke and Leia ended up on, you know, their respective planets and and with their respective families. Um, and then, obviously, like I said, we got to see uh, uh, Anakin becoming Vader. So there's there's a lot of good things that we got to see. To Chad's point, that filled in the gaps. Um, but man, you know, there was, there's just some painful moments along the way, but yeah, I mean, I would rather have had those painful moments, um, to be able to see what we saw out of the good stuff than, than have nothing at all. So they're better than nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Final verdict. Essentially a four. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if uh, nobody has anything else, we're gonna wrap this uh, this masterpiece of a podcast up. 
Well done. Episode nine, Star Wars Ramp Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, at Star Wars Rant on Twitter. Um, give us a call on the voicemail. It's this thing that you can call. It's like a phone number, and you can leave a message and give us your question of the day or your top Star Wars moment or uh, whatever you got. Some feedback about the podcast. Any any uh, anything you got, we'll listen to, and if we like it, we will play it on the podcast. The number is. 402-327-1138. 402-327-1138. What if we just played it without listening to it first? We'll just play it. You call. We see, hey, there's a message here. We'll play it without listening to it and react to it right then and there. Well, that could be dangerous. Let's do it. So Live on, live on, living on the edge. All right. Well, let's do it. You people in Ashburn, Virginia, we know you're out there. Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's have one of you call, you know, 402-327-1138. And then, like I said, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars Rant. Soon we will have a Facebook page, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Um, and uh, we still have the website, StarWarsRant.com. Not updated. You're welcome. Join us for our episode 10 next week. A big episode plan. Oh, hey, you know what? I forgot something. If you stuck around this long, um, and hopefully you did, um, I have one other thing that, um, and I'm not going to try to play the sound clip for you guys because um, that is just not working. But I have a mission for us for next week for episode 10, okay? Um we each have to do our best Obi-Wan Kenobi Alec Guinness impression. The Alec Guinness Obi-Wan yes, Kenobi the impression? Yes, Alec Guinness. Not Ewan McGregor? No, Alec Guinness. Uh, so watch your Star Wars quick uh, clips of a, of a New Hope. Um, and we will... Uh, what we will do is you'll tell me what your impression is you know what what the phrase is we'll play the clip for the audience <laughs> and then uh and then you'll let it rock all right do we wow. do you accept the challenge more work I sure accept the challenge why not all right more work and then uh <laughs> and then uh and for those that don't know b-knob is a uh, connoisseur of star wars um character voices so you know, he may even surprise us with a couple extra. So, um, master so hating Christensen, bad acting. Yes. Um, but hey, thanks for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Next week, episode 10, big episode. Give us a call. Follow us on Twitter. Um, tell a friend. Give us a rating on iTunes, a good one. Um, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.